but how do I know like where exactly, where's the exact moment where I go, one less issue of sin, you'd be saved. One more, you're not. Like, I don't know. So how much sin did Jesus pay for? Did he pay for a certain point or did he pay for it all? He paid for it all. He's just, we're, we're justified freely by his grace from all things. Hey, welcome back to Bible Line. I'm your host, Pastor Jesse Martinez. And today is one of the first kinds of this style of video. Uh, somebody actually sent me a question with a video attached for me to respond to. And uh, upon viewing the video, we trimmed a little bit off the front and the back, not to say that removes any relevant information, but uh, that's what we're going to do. So this is kind of a new style for us today, but I want to read the question and then we will react to the video. All right, so our listener asks, would you consider responding to this video by Mike Winger? He has so much content out there and is not a Calvinist, but clearly holds to some form of lordship or works prove you're really saved. It's comments like these from almost all preachers that leave me and many others confused. And then she provides the link. Of course, we will put the link in our description. You can go watch the video for yourself. The video is about five minutes and titled, When to be Scared You're Not a Genuine Christian. Thank you and love listening to your videos. Oh, that's very good. I'm glad that's an encouragement to you. All right, so we'll go ahead and pull up the video from Mike, and we'll get started. You you reconcile by saying, look, even if you're a sexually immoral person, you were not saved by stopping your sexual immorality. Okay, so first off, yes, I would totally agree with that. He's in Ephesians chapter 5 which um, a lot of Ephesians chapter 5 is talking about being a follower of God, which I do not, there, there, there's no need to connect those two things. Uh, the, what are those two things? There's no need to collect, you know, connect being a believer and a follower. You can be a believer and, and, and be carnal, okay? And that's not something that you should do, but that is a truth. First Corinthians chapter 3 says that. I want to speak to you, but you're carnal. Babes in Christ. You're, you're, you're loving your carnality, and it's it's bringing uh, some uh, friction. And this is important to see here that Ephesians chapter 5 is not talking about walking so that you prove that you're saved. It's talking about you need to walk in your spirit, not in your flesh, because this is who you were before. This is who you were identified with, and now you've, uh, you've been delivered from that. So walk in this deliverance that you have. Also, too, uh, I don't know what translation... Um, Mike Winger uses, but it, it's not the KJV, and I think you'll see in some of the way that uh, this is translated, it brings out more confusion than it does clarity. I'm I'm strictly use the King James version. I think it's one of the best versions out there, and I encourage people to study the KJV. But um, so you'll see he he may quote some things that don't sound like what I'm quoting. It's because it's two different versions. He just said something about you know being delivered from sexual immorality does not uh, save you. And so, which is true. What saves us? The content of our faith in Jesus Christ. But if you are saved, you are indwelt with the Spirit, and God does a work in your heart, you have genuine belief in Jesus, a real attitude for his Lordship, and a work of the Holy Spirit in your heart, you're not going to just continue in the same sin to the same degrees. Okay, so there it is. <laughs> And I wince and, and our editor behind the camera winces too because this is where the problem comes in. What he just said there is, but if you, like, these things don't save you. You know, stopping your sexual immorality does not save you. 
But if you're really saved, then this new genuine thing that you've been given, it, you, you won't have those desires. The Bible does not, does, does not teach that. As a matter of fact, a majority of the New Testament is written because we still struggle with these things. Now, if you want to be obedient, if you want to be blessed by God, then you will change your behavior, but not to be saved or to prove that you're really saved. And I want to go right now to the Bible, which is important. Romans chapter 3, in verses 24 through uh, 28, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. And I think verse 27 is so important. Where is boasting then? What would boasting look like? Well, I have moved away from my sexual immorality, or I don't walk in darkness anymore. Therefore, that is proof that I'm saved. No, it's proof that you're obedient. This is a result of your salvation. You see the importance of walking in the Spirit, but your turning away from sin does not save you or make your faith more genuine. Look at what this says. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude. So this is a in, in, in Paul's mind, and we know that Paul is speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So even in, in, in the eyes of God, this is a closed case, that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Ephesians chapter 5 is all about deeds. Walk in love. Look at Ephesians 5.1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ hath also loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and uncleanness and covetousness, let it not, want, not, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. So this is the behavior that is expected of you, but it still has nothing to do with whether you really are a saint or not. So let's get back to what Mike is saying. And I want to say too, I have no animosity towards Mike. I've heard Mike give the gospel extremely clear, but it's things like this where I just wish he would have a better understanding of ultimately what is the two natures. We have the old nature and we have the new nature. Nothing happened to the old nature. The penalty that was going to send us to hell is no longer there. So we should live as though we've died to that old nature and live in the new nature. But we struggle against that flesh and spirit battle all the time. But it causes great doubt when you tell people, well, you've, you know, if you're really saved, you won't want to do these things. I don't see that in the Bible. As a matter of fact, I see instruction everywhere to avoid that temptation that you have. Um, another verse is 1 Corinthians 6, where he talks about the same list. This list of people will not inherit the kingdom. And he says, such were some of you, past tense. I think that my my own understanding of it. Okay, so he didn't explain that there um, because the next verse is very important. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 9, it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. What is the such? Not necessarily the thieves and covetous and all that, the unrighteous. 
those who did not have righteousness. How do we receive proper righteousness in standing before God? By faith in Jesus Christ. And that's why what Paul is talking about here is that unrighteous flesh nature is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. There is a nature within me which is perfect. It's sinless. It's born of God and cannot commit sin. And that's why he says, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. It, all of that is present tense. This, this unrighteousness is what described them before faith in Christ. Okay, in Galatians chapter 5, where it's, it also lists a very similar um, list of offenses there, it's, it's the same thing. But to look at this here and say, and I, I don't know exactly what Mike is meaning here. I, I have to kind of put this in, but it seems to say that, you know, because you don't do these things is proof that you're really converted. I don't agree with that. And I don't think the Bible agrees with that. My own understanding of this theologically is this, for, for you to consider. Um, th th consider two clear categories and then two fuzzy categories of Did, people. Right away, this is a red flag. There are two clear categories. Those who have the righteousness of God and those who have their own self-righteousness, which is considered in the eyes of God unrighteousness. Fuzzy categories causes doubt. A Christian who's clearly a Christian, as far as you can tell, you have real strong reason to believe they're Christians. An unsafe... Okay, so a Christian who's clearly a Christian, you have strong reasons to understand that that points to their works okay so this is the first category an unsafe person who's clearly unsaved okay you, you've got them then you have the these other categories where you've got like a person who um claims to be a christian but they're really not saved and then there's a person who claims to be a christian they're they're saved but you but you can barely tell right like it, they're, they're in that f see so this is uh this is where i have my biggest problem with his video. Um, we're not saved by a demonstration of good works. We're saved by faith in Christ. First John talks about that. What the, the one who, who, who agrees with God about Jesus being the son of God, this, this is how we test those who come in and teach something like a false error. The record is that God has given us eternal life. I think it's worth going here because this is not, our, our works is not what we're saved by. We are we experience physical deliverance. Um, you know, we won't be chastened by God to the point where he'll take us out of this world. We can experience salvation in that way by good works, but not standing before God. Abraham believed and it was counted to him for righteousness. But my other point here is in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 10, he that believeth on the, on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Okay, so earlier he just said there are two categories, right? Real clear, Christian, unsaved. But he didn't say the clear category Christian is a person who's believed. He didn't say that. The unsaved person is obviously someone who didn't believe. Okay, reading here, First um, John five ten. But he that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. And this is the record that God hath given unto us, hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that believes hath life. He that hath not the Son believes not, um, hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe you have life on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And everything that First John that John had just covered in his book of First John is talking about 
because you have eternal life, behave in this way. But it does not mean if you don't behave in this way, you don't have life. And that's where I think our friend Mike is getting confused and leading others into confusion. Fuzzy zone. And you have these groups of people who you go, are you the unsaved person who pretends to be Christian? Or are you the saved person who just has a lot of compromise, but you're still going to be saved? I don't know how to unfuzzy these two groups. I appreciate his honesty. I really do. And this is why I say in videos like this where we react to somebody, I'm not trying to be inflammatory or aggressive towards Mike. I've never met Mike. I haven't talked to him. And like I said, most of the time he's clear on the gospel. But right here, this just concerns me because, I mean, the young lady who wrote in said that pastors teach like this, and they do. And hes I, I appreciate that he has said very plainly, I don't know how to reconcile these two. And the reason why he doesn't know how to reconcile these two is because he's not resting in the fact that the Bible says there is such a thing as a carnal Christian. There is such a thing as a believer who does not walk in the truth, who walks in the ways of the world. They experience destruction here physically. They're they they die early as a result of God's wrath. Excuse me, as a as a result of God's chastening, God's wrath has already been satisfied on the cross, but they're still saved because they have a proper covering for their sin. They just struggled with their ongoing sanctification process by their own decision. So let's continue. Personally, I know there's warnings towards them. I know there's warnings towards them. Hey, if you're living these lifestyles, you're you're not going to inherit the kingdom. But how do I know? Okay, so I, I don't think those warnings exist. I think that the, the, that they won't inherit the kingdom. Jesus is talking about that when he's talking in uh, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. He's pointing to the fact that these people cannot live right enough to walk into the kingdom of their own accord. That's why they had to put their faith in a coming Messiah of which he claimed to be. But I do see where if you do not walk after truth, if you walk after the flesh and not after the spirit, you're going to be denied rewards at the rewarding stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Nowhere is salvation in view. How much sin is so much where I go, you're clearly not saved. And there, I know we are pausing everywhere. <laughs> A three minute and 42 second video becomes an hour. But this to me is just, that's, I, I'm like sad when I look at that because I know people look at that and say, well, how much sin have I committed? Am I unsaved now? I mean, the Bible says very clearly, you believe, you receive eternal life. And that's what you got, eternal life. And this type of thought that is being pushed here is scary to people. I mean, I, I'm so glad that I know my salvation was settled a long time ago on the cross in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. I have fear now and a healthy respect for God because I know how he will chasten me here if I disobey him. But I'm not serving God to stay saved. I'm serving him because he's saved me to the uttermost, them that believe. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to look that up. I can't think of it off the top of my head. I think it's Hebrews 2. I'm going to look up that word uttermost. And uh, Hebrews, ah, Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25 Starting in verse 24, but this man, because he continueth forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he liveth to make intercession for them. What does it mean to come unto God by him? It's to believe on Jesus Christ that he has paid for our sins. Let's continue. 
Now, am I saying that your your sin made you unsaved? No, I'm saying your sin. But you did. Because you had just said how much sin makes them unsaved. But now we're clarifying that statement. Reveals that your claim to believe in Jesus is not genuine. You don't have real faith. This is where the rubber meets the road, real faith. So I would say here, based on this statement that he had just made, he, he would say that faith alone does not save us. He'd probably say that James chapter 2 um, is all about um, a faith without works is dead. We see from, from the, the context in James chapter 2, he's talking about your faith is profitless. It has no vitality. It has no life. Uh, not because you are now eternally separated from God again, because that would nullify what Jesus said that you're never going to be brought into condemnation again, but that it's, 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 it's not that you are unsaved now, but your faith is of no value to those around you. Your faith is not going to save you from the chastening hand of God. But how do I know, like where exactly, where's the exact moment where I go one less issue of sin, you'd be saved one more. You're not like, I don't know. So how much sin did Jesus pay for? Did he pay for a certain point or did he pay for it all? He paid for it all. He's just, we're, we're justified freely by his grace from all things. Acts 13, 38, be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Verse 39, and by him, all that believe are justified from all things. So what he's saying here, what is that one sin that'll make you unsaved again? We're justified from all things, all sin. You couldn't be justified by the law of Moses. What does that mean? Specifically by following the 10 commandments which I think would be a good rule for Christians to follow if you're trying to earn eternal life. But you can't earn eternal life by working the law. You're, you know, we're, the law condemns us. Galatians 3 talks about that. Let's continue. Know this. You don't know this. We don't know this. So there's this fuzzy zone where Paul just warns people. He goes, hey, look, if you're in this zone, like you're in the scary zone, get over here where your life is clearly in Christ. That, I don't think the apostle Paul teaches that. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 7, he talks about his intense battle between his flesh and his new spirit nature. What Paul is saying, walk worthy, walk worthy of the grace that has been given us. Don't waste your life and opportunity because that is not going to be beneficial for you. You're going to miss out on blessings and rewards, and it's not going to be beneficial to the furtherance of the gospel. Because you're scaring me. Um, this doesn't mean I go around saying you're saved, you're unsaved. Um, look, if you reject Jesus, you're unsaved. If you embrace Jesus and your life appears generally consistent with the gospel of Christ, I would be like, I'm, I feel confident you're saved. Okay. That's a huge admission there. And I want you to see that. What does it mean to embrace Jesus? Why not just use words that are in the Bible? If you've believed, you have eternal life. Now, whether you're obedient or not, is to be determined by the way you live your life. But he's putting those two things together. Salvation service, mixed. But if you're in that zone where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be hopeful. I hope you're saved. I just don't know. Because I have these warnings in scripture and I'm not sure how they apply to you. And again, I appreciate his honesty there. He sees these warnings, but he's not sure how they apply. I have confidence that I can tell you that these warnings are talking about the chastening hand of God. When we disobey and willfully walk in our sin after we have been saved, that is not, we, we are not supposed to do that. And there are severe consequences that come as a result of that. None of those consequences are losing eternal life. None of them.
that is a unsettling reality. Um, it is an unsettling reality because it gives nobody hope. No one can say I'm saved. You got to wait until you die to see if you did enough. Oh, uh, that uh, that would I, I would not be doing what I'm doing right now if that was the truth. I would be f frantically worrying about my own salvation. But I have peace and rest and comfort now. I've got joy because I know I'm saved. Not because of my good works, but because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Amen. <laughs> a lot of pastors feel compelled to tell everybody who's even remotely in this group that they're all saved. And this is very heartwarming. And I feel the compulsion. I want to tell you that. But I don't think it's biblically true. I think it's okay to be a little scared sometimes because your lifestyle is contradictory. It's okay to be scared that you have hell as a possibility and an option. No, perish the thought. Disagree with that. Predicting your claims of faith and go, yeah, I need to get serious about Jesus. If that's you and you're listening, then, it, then the, the answer is not to grow despondent or depressed and not to be all woe is me. What other option is there if you could go to hell because you're not doing enough? Those are all the bad things that got you into this situation. The answer is to turn your faith and trust in Christ genuinely. And So there's the genuinely, and by what he's described, genuinely, genuinely would be good works. And to really have an attitude of repentance and pray, God, help me have a real attitude of repentance here. And then bear, the, bear fruit that shows that that was genuine. And if you don't do that, then you were never saved and you're going to go to hell. No. I think what I would say here is 1 John 5, 10 through 13. That's the only solution is turning your life and focusing on Jesus. It's not abandoning. Well, I just give up then. Like, this is what got you into this. No one will do that. No one will just give up. They will live in fear because we're talking about an eternal suffering and torment away from God. This is not uh, you get to go first in line compared to the fifth in line at the buffet. This is not that's minimal. We're talking about heaven and hell. That's a you're you're drawing a very fine, undefined line, and you're telling people to just hope that they do enough. I'm sorry, I I disagree. I'm not sorry, I disagree with that because I don't think the Bible teaches that. Smash that kind of thinking. You need to come to light. That's the only solution. Okay, well that's that. I think I've done my best. You know, these on-the-spot reactions, of course, there's going to be some meat on the bone that I probably didn't address, but um, I hope that answers our, your, your question. And like I said, I have no animosity towards Mike Winger. Um, this is not the intent to uh, destroy him, but I, I do want to judge the content of what he said in line with Scripture, and I think I've made a case for why there's a big disagreement there. There's a lot of people like this on YouTube, guys, um, and you, you just need to be careful. You need to rightly divide the word of truth. All right, that's going to be it for today. Until next time, keep looking up. Jesus Christ is coming soon. Keep it right here on Bible Line. God bless you. If you enjoyed today's episode of Bible Line, make sure to subscribe to the channel and share this video with a friend. Do you have a Bible question? Send us an email, questions at BibleLineMinistries.org, and we'll do our best to get you an answer. Or you can leave your question in the comments of this video. Be sure to check the links in the description for more clear Bible teaching. Bible Line is a ministry of Calvary Community Church located in Tampa, Florida.